did you solve the mystery of the missing cookies? No, they're, they're still missing. I hope. Whoever, I don't even know why we're bothering doing a podcast. Today. I hope. I hope whoever got them is enjoying them. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Father Herb uh, without a cookie in my hand. <laughs> and Father Herb without a cookie is a sad Father Herb. Well, see, it's it's really <laughs> it's really not as bad as you think. Well, see here, I was minding my own business, ready to record the twenty three podcast. Actually, episode one twenty three. Oh, how of beautiful! Twenty three podcast. Okay, and. Uh, Sister Anne Mary came in frantic, looking for the cookies from yesterday's staff meeting. And I was just sitting here watching a podcast, waiting for you to do our podcast. And I said, I don't know where they are. And she By, by the way, folks, this is not a video podcast. Our, ours is audio. Yes. I was thinking, though, maybe we could convert to a video format someday. I've got a face for radio. Yeah, me too. Uh, and then then you came in. Also, I, I, I'm just going to put this out there. It felt a little accusatory, both of you, that you were coming to me asking me where the cookies no, were. No, you were sitting in the room where they were last seen. Oh. So we thought maybe you had seen them or put them aside when we got ready to do the podcast. I did not. Anyway, let me tell you the story. Uh, a wonderful parishioner yesterday morning, early, yeah. on his way to work, yeah. dropped off this container of cookies specifically for the cast uh, staff and I sometimes we feel like a cast <laughs> yeah for the staff and I said good we have a meeting today and then he gave me a smaller container for just for me oh 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 the truth that, comes that, out that's why I said I don't feel too bad about oh, not we, but I was trying to find them for the rest of the staff I didn't know that part of the story oh the plot thickens my so friends I, so I have some cookies on my desk and if anybody grovels they could probably have one <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Anyway, it's uh, I introduced myself, but who are you, Michael? My name is Michael. Michael B. Puppis, as you learned from... B for... for, for bookend. bookend? Brandon. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I <laughs> remember the social media question was... Oh, yes. What, what name? Oh, that's right. What, what name? See, folks, this is what I... If he doesn't I know. have a cookie, he can't do I'm anything. I'm so tuned in to heavenly things. <laughs> And by the way, that's what yeah. this is all about this week. But speaking of heavenly things, I do have just one promotion I'm making today. What are we promoting? Wait, should I? Let me start the promotional music. I wish I could do that. Do you have some promotional music? I got us. We got to start. Editing. You got to write a theme, a theme promotion for men's retreat. So here's the men's retreat promotion. Oh, this is it. This is it. That's what you're promoting. Yeah. Okay. The men's retreat is the second weekend of November. Which is really right around the corner. November 8th to the 10th. That's correct. Usually it's the third weekend of November. This year it's the second weekend of November. And you're probably wondering why. Uh, because there is unavailability at the facility. That is exactly the reason. I remember and, talking to you about this a year ago. Yeah, because I turned around right after last year's and I said, we want next year. And they said, sorry. So, <laughs> so no Actually, candy. all things considered, it's not much different. But uh, the retreat is being advertised this weekend at church. It's uh, a men's retreat, so it is exclusive male. Yes. And thanks. thanks for making that clear. Well, I, I don't want it, people to say, well, you left us out. There is a women's retreat coming up as well, but that's after New Year's. And both of you and I usually make an appearance at the women's retreat. They, they, need, they need us. They, <laughs> I don't know about that. The men's retreat is at Lawrence Lodge up in the Irish Hills. Beautiful in early November. We're on the lake. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I tell people it's rustic, but that doesn't mean it's primitive. It's it's just kind of a guy's lodge type place. Okay. Deer head on the wall. 
Yes, actually, there was two years ago. I didn't see it last year. Beer in the fridge? No. Oh. No, there's no alcohol involved at all. Okay. Well. They do have a campfire, a bonfire on Saturday night. And sure. I'm to- I never go out because by then I'm tired. But sometimes it doesn't start till 11 o'clock. But they say they do smoke cigars out there. But Oh, that's very manly. That's a manly thing. It's I've, a bonding thing. I've never smoked a cigar. Okay. Have you? No. Really? No. No. I feel like you're from an era that would have smoked cigars at some point. I was... My dad smoked cigars. Oh. My grandfather smoked a pipe. Yeah, my dad did too. and uh, He spent all his time loading it and trying to relight it, so I don't think he actually smoked it a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, go to the men's retreat. Uh, it's always the people I've, I've never been because I stay here to hold down the fort, but uh, I've always heard good stories and experiences. Yeah. And really, of course, the, the community is great, but also kind of the spiritual awakening. And, and, and getting away, the, the chapel, it's a, a freestanding building that was built maybe about 10, 12 years ago. Beautiful chapel in the woods, uh, open 24-7. A lot of the guys go in the middle of the night just to have some quiet time. Nice. It, it's one of those luxuries you can't get at home. Sure. Unless you have, uh, you're a cloistered person and you live in a monastery where there's a tabernacle in the in the. Or you're the pastor here, and I can come over anytime I want. I, I often stop in church before I go home at night. Yeah. And I love it. I walk in without turning any lights on, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's really a very very prayerful space. It is. Okay, so let's go into this coming Sunday. 30th Sunday in ordinary time. We've 30th, hit the 30th Sunday. We're into the 30s. And I'm, I'm trying to hold myself back from asking how many Sundays in ordinary time there are. 34. The same as many years as I've had on this earth thus far. Oh, my. That's how, I know. You've got socks older than me. <laughs> I've got you more than doubled. Let's, that's what I was thinking. Oh. Well, you've had the whole time I've known you, that's been the case. I this know. Is just not... and Well, but see, I have, to, I have to get two years for every one of your year. Oh. <laughs> so we're in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. Another parable from Jesus. Another parable that is only found in Luke's gospel. Great. Uh, I will read the intro and you actually read the parable. How's How's that sound? Okay. Jesus addressed this parable to those who were convinced of their own righteousness and despised everyone else. Two people went up to the temple area to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. O God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I pay tithes on my whole income. But the tax collector stood off at a distance, and would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and prayed, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the latter went home justified, not the former. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I told you yesterday, this is, we've got two weekends of great quotes back to back. Back to back. Those, the, you know, Luke does that so often. These per- pericopes end with a, a wonderful little one-liner. Yeah. And you're asking, what's a pericope? Hey, Father, what's a pericope? Pericope is spelled P-E-R-I-C-O-P-E. Okay. Like a pericope. Okay. But it's pericope. Sounds like a vestment. <laughs> yeah. Per- pericope is the way it's pronounced, and it means a passage. So oh, okay. a particular passage of scripture is called a pericope. Okay. So now that we know that word, we can use it. See, try that on your kids tonight. Pericope. Hey, let's read this pericope. Yeah. So uh, it's 
one of those amazing passages where there's great contrast. Sure. Just like last week I talked about the judge being very powerful and the widow being very powerless. Sure. You know, it's drawn to contrast. Here we have the Pharisee. And let's talk about the word righteous and let's talk about the word self-righteous. Okay. What's the song you sing, we sing, uh, my one defense? Lord, I need you. Yeah, what's the line? Uh, my one I put defense. It, I put him on the spot. When my, he doesn't have a piano in front of him, he can't say it. It's like you without a cookie. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> my, but, my one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Okay. So the word righteous is a biblical term. It's used a lot in Protestant circles, perhaps especially in evangelical circles. Yeah but not traditionally used in Catholic circles. But there's nothing wrong with it. It's just we haven't used it. Okay. And righteousness means be right with God. Okay. In other words, God's way, not my way. Uh-huh. So my my one defense, my righteousness, in other words, that I'm doing something in God's uh, correct according to God. Do you remember ever seeing those billboards along the highway? They used to be pretty common. Uh, get right with God. Yeah. I remember thinking that as a kid. I thought, Get right with God. At first, I thought it meant just a reminder to drive on the right side of the road. <laughs> get get right with God. Unless you're in, you're in England, then that wouldn't work. Very then well. it wouldn't work. They, but basically, they're saying be righteous. Now, self righteousness is almost despicable in the in the scriptures. Okay. Because self righteousness is like I make myself right. In other words, I don't need God to make me right. Like I'm my I'm my own version of truth. My own version of truth, but my I am my own savior. I am my own redeemer. Sure. So I am standing before God because of, look how good I am. Yeah. So here we have the Pharisee. The Pharisee, I love the, the way the translation is here. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. Now, that could simply mean he's talking quietly. Yeah. Or it could mean he's praying to himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of praying to God. Sure. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, oh God, I thank you. And you, I have to be careful how dramatically I want to read this on Sunday. I thank you that I'm not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even this, uh, this, uh, no good tax collector back there. <laughs> this is the Father Herb Weber edition of the Gospel of Luke. I fast twice a week, not just once, twice. And I pay tithes on all my income, not just on select items. <laughs> He's really elaborating here, people. No, actually, I'm, I am, but that is the, the real meaning behind it. Sure. Because the idea of uh, t- uh, pay, paying tithes was limited to certain things. Yeah. And that's why he said, I pay on everything. Sure. And when he says, um, I twi- fast twice a week, they weren't really required to fast twice a week. But he wanted to do it. He wanted to. He wanted to one he up. He wanted to show. Yeah, he wanted to one up, and he's trying to say, "Look how good I am." Now, in defense, in defense of the Pharisees, who were the Pharisees? Uh, they were a group that was founded maybe a hundred years before Jesus. They were laypersons, and their whole goal was to reform Judaism. So they were kind of trying to be purist. Yeah. They they felt that. Judaism had slipped, and so they were reformers. But they also wanted to make a bold message to Rome. Remember, all the countries under the thumb of Rome. And Rome had left 
the Jewish people practice their religion. So they wanted to pray, uh, practice it very uh, visibly uh, in an outward way that Rome would say, okay, these people are adhering to their own faith, so we'll just let things go. Okay. But in the process, of course, Jesus always had problems with the Pharisees for a hypocrisy going overboard that they they showed they did all the external stuff and their heart was not there they always get kind of a bad rap in the scriptures they get a very bad rap yeah okay now so this these are the two extremes you got the pharisee and look at me i am so so incredibly good <laughs> you know the fasting twice a week reminds me at some point in college well, let's just put this out there i've never been one that enjoys exercise i don't think that will come to surprise anyone. We're terribly surprised. Um, but I do it when I need to because I know it's good for me. That's probably how some people feel about going to church, actually. I, on the other hand, love going to church. Well, stay with that thought because I'm going to come back to why people oh. go to church. Oh. But, okay. But all I was going to say was there was a time in college where I thought, well, I'm not going to go to the rec center just once a day. I'm going to go twice a day so I can get twice as much done in a short amount of time. And, and how long did that last? About three days. About the, three days. It was, it was done very quickly. Okay, so, so uh, if we're talking extremes, we've got the extreme. Sure. Then we have the tax collector. Tax collectors were also Jewish. Yeah. But they were people who worked for the Roman Empire. They probably did it because it was a pretty decent income. They, too, had to get have a job to pay for food on the table. They were compromising their values, though. You're working for the pagan empire. Yeah. And consequently, the pagan emperor who was treated all but like a god. Mm -hmm. So they had already compromised. And most of them had a habit of paying themselves. So there was a lot of uh, corruption involved. Okay. So we don't know why the tax collector even came up to the temple. Sure. But... It must have been a moment when his heart was stirred. So why did either of them go to the temple? Uh, and I'm going to start asking why people go to church, period. That's why you told me earlier. Yeah. So the very first one, uh, the, the tax collector, he's going because there's something stirring in his heart, and he knows life is not the way it should be. And he says, have mercy. Remember the word mercy. Be merciful to me. I am a sinner. Those are the two statements. One about himself, I am a sinner, and one about God, you are merciful. Sure. Those, all, those two statements are, have, always have to be the, the starting place for any forgiveness, mm -hmm. that we trust that God is merciful and that we, we also admit our own sinfulness. So he went there possibly for a conversion of heart of some sort. Why did the Pharisee go? To sh tell God how great he is. Is that true? I, I mean, don't th think about it. Why did he go? So that he could put the tax collector down? Maybe. I doubt it. Why do you think he went? I, I, I'm struggling with this. Oh, I thought you had the answer. No. It's really a question. Why did he go? Did he? I think in the 21st century parlance, he went to feel good about himself. Sure. It's like, well, I go to church and I feel good. Yeah. And I want to say, oh, I hope you do. That's better than going to church and feeling bad. <laughs> sure. Sure. But it's not all about you. Right. And that was the problem. It, you know, it's like, I go because I feel good afterwards, and then I can go and hate my neighbor afterwards. Yes. Uh, because I, I did my duty. You know, I w this is very similar to what they were just talking about in that podcast I was watching 
while you and sister were trying to figure out where the cookies went. Um, the cookie podcast. Father Mallon. Do you remember Father Mallon? He yeah. wrote the book Divine Renovation, and he was at the Amazing Parish Conference yeah. uh, when we attended. And he was talking a lot about um, moving parishes from maintenance to mission, that we're not just go- doing the same things over and over again as a parish because this is what we do to feel good about ourselves, but we're mission-oriented, that we're evangelizing, that we're making a difference in the community, that we're transforming hearts, that we're discipling people, those and types of things. And to do that, we're always taking risk. So today he used uh, the example, it actually cons- uh, coincidentally is the psalm from today's Mass, Tuesday's Mass, here I am, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. And he said, in an act of worship, when we come to Mass, how most people come to Mass and say, here I am, Lord, please come and do my will, instead of here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. And if that basic posture would change when we come to Mass, our whole concept of worship and how we experience the Mass would completely transform. It would. There's no question. I don't know why people come to church. I don't know if they're just saying, I'm coming here, so God do my will. I think there's often that danger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the thing I said last week about the woman. She did, wasn't just praying to get her way. Yeah. We have to be careful. We don't go to church just to say, God, I'm going to manipulate you into agreeing with me. Right. Do you remember Voltaire, the French philosopher? I mean, you didn't know him personally, but you remember. We go way back. You go way back. <laughs> we went okay. on the men's retreat together yeah, a couple the, times. Well, the <laughs> Voltaire once said, in the beginning, God created male in his own image and likeness. And ever since then, man has been trying to return the favor. Mm. In other words, like we try to make God unto ourselves. Sure. So we think, if if I like this, God better like it, or you know, God's going to bend to my will because obviously my will is godly. Sure. Sometimes we have to wake up and say, "Whoa, what I'm doing is not God's will." Do you ever look at the world? Because I do this, and you see people that say, "Well, God told me this," or "This is godly," and they're and there's two completely opposing views. Yeah. Or actions. Oh, yeah. And you think, well, how the heck could God have told both of them two totally different things? You know, what do you make of those types of things in the world? Well, we have to be very careful and careful and discerning the voice of God, the will of God. Yeah. And you can't do it individually. It has to be done in context. It has to be done in the context of a Christian community. Mm. It has to be done in the context of the bigger picture, namely the scriptures itself. It has to be done in the context of the church and what the church is saying. Because if somebody says, oh, no, uh, God wouldn't care if I do this or God doesn't care if I do that. And, you know, I had we were talking about conscience formation with the parents of reconciliation class. Yeah. And I said, if you find yourself disagreeing with the teaching, you do have to follow your conscience if your conscience is well formed. But if you find yourself disagreeing on this one and this one and this one, you better stop and say, uh, where's my conscience being formed? Yeah. What's going on? Sure. And having a well-formed conscience is a lot of work. You've been trying to do that with me for about 15 I've been years trying, now. Yeah. Uh, you know, ra- raising a, a teenager is tough. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm glad I had you during the formative years. That's, <laughs> things have worked out so well. Well, but let's go back to this. Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Uh, which one of them went home blessed? It was the tax collector, not the Pharisee. Yeah. The Pharisee went home the same as he was when he came. The tax collector went home changed. Mm-hmm. So back to my question, why do people come to church? And you said uh, 
maybe to manipulate God a little bit. I think a lot of people come because they do want to feel good. Yeah. Uh, somehow they are willing to admit they need God. And I think some people say that in a very profound and deep way. Others maybe a little less articulate, articulated. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's still there. I would hope that people come to know that we're not done yet. We're not finished. There's work to be done in our hearts. So we come for God to continue to work on us. And then the question that came up just the other day, I was talking to somebody. It was after one of the weddings. It was not a member of the parish. It was not a, the person was not a Catholic. And, and uh, she, she admired the, the wedding and everything. But she basically said something to the effect, well, I don't know why we have to do it in church. Uh, you know, God's everywhere. Yeah. And, and I wanted to say, yes, of course God is everywhere. And yes, you can talk to God in the woods, you know, the famous argument. Sure. But it's more than that. It, this is where you meet with other people of faith. Our journey is always uh, communitarian. Yeah. The Catholic faith is extremely communal, and we practice it individualized way too frequently. Mm -hmm. So we have to be connected. So even here, we have the Pharisee and the tax collector. We at least have two people in the temple. The Pharisee could have been of assistance to the tax collector instead of judging him. Sure. And Jesus had two things that he over and over criticized. One was people being self-righteous, which the tax collector, uh, the Pharisees had. Yeah. And the other one is people being judgmental, which he also had. Sure. So the good guy here is the tax collector who's not a good guy but at least he's open to this movement of the Spirit. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let's all come to Mass this weekend with that posture. I, I do. Good. Every week. Great. And I'll bring the cookies. <laughs> we'll tell the rest of the story next week. All right, take care, everybody. We'll see you this weekend. Bye.